uh, some cards that folks have filled out for prayer. I know there's some needs in this room that are not on these cards. Needs of those folks who are joining us online who are not on these cards. So if you're here and you would say, I need God to meet me here. I need, I need God to meet a need. Go ahead and slip up your hand. We're going to pray for all of the needs here in this room. See them all over the room. Lord, we pray, Father, for every situation. You know our needs and our situations even better than we do. So I pray, Father, for the needs on the cards in my hand, for the needs of those joining us online, and for every hand slipped up here in this room. I even pray, Lord, for the people who, who are not even bold enough to lift up their hand because they're not sure you can do it. Lord, I pray that you would be the God that heals. You would be the God that restores. You would be the God that provides. You would be the God that answers by fire. Lord, would you show yourself among your people? We put our faith and trust in you. I also pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word that you would change our hearts and start with mine. We don't want to leave here the same way we got here. So make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this week I read that when Space Mountain at, in uh, California opened up, that people stood in line for four hours to ride a ride that's like a minute long. Have you ever done that? You're standing in line for, it seems like, hours, and then it's over in 45 seconds. And you're like, let's do it again. You know what I mean? Like, right? So some things are worth it. Um, I, I, I remember when the first In-N-Out Burger opened here in Colorado Springs. I read that people sat in their cars in the drive-thru for 14 hours. Now, I, I mean, they make a good burger, right? Double-double, animal style. That's a good burger. The fries, eh, shakes are good. Um, but some things are kind of worth waiting for. I, I also read um, that the very first McDonald's that opened up in Russia, opened up in 1990, they were expecting 1,000 people to come to their grand opening, and they had 30,000 people show up. Um, some things are not worth waiting for. You know, I'm sure the Russians were very disappointed. Uh, you know, two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. It's not that good, really. You know, it's okay. I mean, a Big Mac is okay. Anyway, some things are definitely worth waiting for. So we, last week, uh, we looked at Paul and Silas, and, and they helped us answer this question. Uh, what do I do while I'm waiting for a miracle? What do I do while I'm waiting? And uh, the, it, it, the waiting room is, is difficult. It's frustrating sometimes. You ever gone to the doctors and you go to your doctor's appointment and then they, you, you sit in this waiting room with all these other people and then you feel like you won the lottery because they say your name and then all you do is you go from this big waiting room to this small waiting room and then you wait some more. You know, it's frustrating, right? What do we do in this place that it's called in between? The dictionary defines in between as situated somewhere between two recognized categories. It's an intermediate thing. Uh, so, some of you are in between in this, some of you in this room and the, joining us online are in between right now. You're not where you want to be, but you're not really where you used to be. You're kind of in between. And generally speaking, we don't like being in between, right? No one's ever said, man, I love going to that waiting room. There's just something about those old magazines, you know, just, oh, I love it, right? Uh, or, or have you ever had a long layover when you're traveling? It's like someone says, have you ever been to to Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're like, well, yeah, I was on a layover. That doesn't count. You, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't leave the airport. You're really not there. You're really not anywhere. You're just kind of 
in between. It's not a fun place to be. It's not an exciting place to be. Being in between can also be very scary. If you talk to people in the military, they'll tell you that one of the most dangerous places to be is out in the open, exposed. You're not over here and you're not over here. You're somewhere in between. It's a very sometimes dangerous place to be. And sometimes it's so uncomfortable to be in between that we'll often stay in a place that we should have left long ago because it's safe and comfortable and familiar. Sometimes we stay someplace too long. So um, this right here, it's a great place to be. It's a great time in life, a beautiful baby, and, and it, it's, it's a great stage of life because you're taken care of and someone takes care of everything all that you need, but it's not a permanent destination. It's, it's a passing through, right? If, if we stay too long, then it, it turns weird. You know what I mean? And some of you have dated men like this. <laughs> I'm just kidding, all right, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody, all right? It's not as cute, it's not as, right? It's, it's, it's kind of weird, and so, so we're gonna look at how God handles this process of us leaving safety and going somewhere in between. And we're going to look at the life of a man named Moses. At the time Moses is born, the nation of Israel have become slaves to the Egyptian, the nation of Egypt. And um, they've become so populated, they're multiplying so fast that Pharaoh's afraid that their slave population will get too big to control and too strong. So he comes up with an idea to control their population. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This is the first attempt at mass extermination of the Jewish people. And this has happened many times throughout, throughout history. Why does, why does this happen? Why do people get so worked up about the nation of Israel and about Jewish people? It has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with how much God loves the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And it's not even the people. God made a, a promise to a man named Abraham because he loved Abraham and Abraham loved him. And he said, I'm going to take care of you and your kids and every generation behind you. And so the enemy hates the nation of Israel because they represent the love and the apple of God's eye. And so Pharaoh tries to exterminate the people. This is what happens next. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So she's doing her very best to protect this child that she was supposed to have thrown into the Nile River and killed, right? So she's, she's hiding him in the house. Now, don't miss this. This woman is hiding the person that's eventually gonna be her deliverer and rescuer from Pharaoh, and she's hiding that in her house. I wonder what God is trying to bring to the world through you but you're afraid and so you're hiding it in your house. I wonder what ideas or plans or dreams are hidden in your house that you're afraid to let other people see. This lady is hiding her rescuer in her own house. And maybe you're afraid to let other people see your, your plans or your dreams because you think they might laugh at them, they might make fun of them, they might steal your idea. Some of you have even helped other people with their hopes, dreams, and plans. But you've never addressed your own. You've never gone through and pursued what you have in your own house. Sometimes, the only thing 
that you need from God, my clicker is, oh, there we go. Sometimes the only thing that we need from God is for him to point out what we already have in our house. We're looking for other things, and, and we're hoping something will happen, but really God's got it already in our house. We see it with the uh, prophet Elisha. He visits his widow. She says, my husband's dead. My sons and I are about to be sold as slaves. And he asks her a question. He says, what do you have in your house? In other words, what have you overlooked? What have you ignored? What have you saw that was too small, and you said, God, God, God can't possibly do anything with that? What do you have in your house? Jesus tells Peter, Take the nets that you already have in your hands and throw them overboard and I'll fill them with fish. He, Peter already had the nets. God tells Moses later on, with the shepherd's, stand, the shepherd's staff that's already in your hand, I'm going to rescue the nation of Israel. Samson's being attacked and God says, pick up that, that donkey jawbone right next to you and start to fight. There are things in you already God has gifted you with already. Maybe you don't recognize them, but God wants to use them to bring freedom and hope to other people. Let me give you an example. When I was in middle school, I used to get detention for talking. Now I get paid to talk. <laughs> so this week, I was actually in, I was at a hotel in Denver with a bunch of bankers, and they brought me in to speak to these bankers. I spent about three and a half hours with them, helping them come up with their, um, their core values. So I did that. These bankers flew in from all over the area. And they came and, and sat uh, listening to Angel Flores, the kid that used to get detention for talking too much. And uh, we helped them weave out their core values. But you know what I did the whole time? I weaved the gospel in the whole time. I talked about hope and about encouraging other people and about being someone who lays down their life for the people that work for them. What do you have in your house that you just have not recognized? So, so maybe it's the right thing to keep it hidden, right? Moses' mom had to keep him hidden because she had to protect him. Maybe it's the appropriate thing to do, but at some point, it's going to get to a place where you can't keep it hidden anymore. And his mom realizes, I can't keep hiding him. It's too dangerous. Uh, someone's going to find him. And so she moves him from this safe place to the place of in-between. This is how it happens. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, then she placed a child in it, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So sitting in our church in 2023 with the benefit of hindsight, and often when we read the Bible and it doesn't seem like it's real, it seems like it's maybe a movie or a fictional, but this, is a real, this really happened to real people. And we look at it now and we think, well, you know, we know how it turns out, it's going to be okay. But imagine being there in the moment. Imagine you're at the Platte River right now and a woman walks over with a basket and a three-month-old baby in it, and she puts the baby in the water. You would say, what are you doing? Oh, God told me to do this. It's okay. You'd get your phone. You'd call 911, right? You'd tackle her if you had to. You'd say, take this lady away and take that kid away from her, right? That's what we would do because it seems like such a crazy thing to do. Now, don't, don't miss. God is taking Moses from a safe place to the place of in-between with no guarantee about what's going to happen. Have you ever felt like God is asking you to do something, but the people around you don't understand, and so it seems crazy to them? I've learned that two intelligent people can both look at the same thing and see it in completely different ways. Let me give you an example. This picture uh, circulated a few years ago. It's called The Dress. Now, here's what's going to blow your mind if you're not familiar with this. Some of you are looking at this picture, 
and you see a white dress with gold trim. Some of you are looking at the picture and you see a blue dress with dark trim. And I know you're thinking, no way, that's not true. Everyone sees it just like I see it, because I'm normal, right? So raise your hand if you see a white dress with gold trim. Raise your hand if you see a blue dress with dark trim. Now look at someone who raised their hand opposite you and say, what are you talking about, Willis? Go ahead, right now. Two intelligent people can both look at the same thing and see it in completely different ways. And some of you, I've lost you because you're saying, there's no way. What's up? Stop lying. You're in church. This is God's house. Stop lying. Tell me the truth. What do you see up there? They're like, it's blue. No, it's not. It's white. You're not getting anything for lunch. Okay. Let me give you another example. The shoe. Some of you, when you look at this, you see a pink shoe with white trim. Some of you, you see a gray shoe with green trim. Raise your hand if you see a pink shoe with white trim. Isn't that bananas? Raise your hand if you see a gray shoe with green trim. The Christians see the gray shoe. We'll pray for the other guys. Two intelligent people can look at the same thing and see something in completely different ways. Let me give you one more example. A few years ago, a video, uh, maybe a year or two ago, video floated around. And we're going to listen to a, an a audio, audible clip. How many of you heard someone saying Laurel? Laurel. Raise your hand. How many of you heard Yanny? Yanny. It's weird, right? We need to pray for them. <laughs> Tonight, someone's going to be laying in bed, sleeping, and mom's going to come over with some anointing oil. God, get this little demon out of this kid. I knew they had something, but now I see, right? That has everything to do with how your ear canals work. Two intelligent people can both look at the same thing and see something in completely different ways. What does this have to do with us? When a person decides to do something that everybody else sees as crazy for God, then the people around them are going to say, are you sure you want to do that? What do you mean you're going to forgive someone who hurt you? What do you mean you're going to trust God with your finances and start to give? What do, you, what do you mean you're going to pursue a job that's different than what we want you to pursue? What do you mean you're going to change your major? That doesn't make sense, but to the people around you who have stepped over the line, it makes perfect sense because we know what it feels like when God tells you to do something that nobody else understands and you say, okay, you know what, I've got to, I can't not do this. Jeremiah said, it's like fire in my bones. Paul says, I can't not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach this gospel. I have to step over the line and do what God is calling me to do. And you, what you've got to do is surround yourself with people who are going the same place as you because to them it's not crazy. It's normal and they're the ones that are going to help you. Seven years, about seven years ago, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I didn't wrestle. I wasn't particularly an athlete. I know that's hard for you to believe when you look at me. Uh, but I just started it. And it's, it's like wrestling and you choke each other and arm bars and whatever. And, um, and there were very people who loved me who said, what's the matter with you? Why are you doing that? 
you're 44 years old. And I was like, well, this is the youngest I'm ever going to be. So if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it, right? If I'm going to try it, I might as well try it. So I've been in it seven years now. And I hang around now with a bunch of black belts. Well, the reason that they're black belts is because they get it. And so when I'm around them, it seems very normal. Now, there's other people that still don't understand who think I should be playing golf or pickleball, right? You're a man your age, my doctor for one, right? Man your age, shouldn't really be doing that stuff. And I'll choke that fool out. So anyway. Um, <laughs> But when I get around people like that, it's normal and it encourages me to keep going. You've got to get around other sold out followers of Christ who have done the thing that, and it might not be the same thing you're doing, but let me tell you, God is not a respecter of persons. So every time you take a step, it's going to be big. It's going to be scary. Your heart's going to be pounding in your chest. But God never stops calling us out. Let's look at what happens with Moses. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? Now remember, the baby was supposed to die. Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed it. Everyone around her putting that baby in the river seemed crazy. But she knew God was telling her to do it. And because she was obedient, not only did Moses live, she got to raise him. And she got paid for doing it. Some of you are like, that sounds awesome. My kids are bananas, and they drive me crazy. I would love for someone to pay me to raise those kids. But that's what happened. You see how obedience, even when it sounds crazy, works out for the good of those involved? God took this very scary situation and flipped it. And now look what Pharaoh's daughter names him. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Moses means drawn out, and it fits him because he's drawn out of the safety of his home. Then he's drawn out of the river. Later on, God draws him out of Egypt. Then he draws him out of the desert. Then he uses him to draw the nation of Israel out of slavery, all because his mama obeyed when God asked her to do something scary. Let's, no, get out. This right here is a bus shelter. Shelter is meant to be used for a short time. It's, it's to keep you protected while you wait from, from rain and from, uh, from the elements, keep you from the sun. It's an in-between place. It's designed as an in-between place. And nobody lives in a bus shelter. But if someone does, then you look at them and you know they are dysfunctional and unhealthy because they stay somewhere that's not designed for us to stay. And some of us, God has is calling you out from this safety of this in-between place where you've stayed too long. And he's asking you to trust him. He's drawing you out. He's calling you out of fear, hiding, insecurity, anger, unforgiveness, your comfort zone, the safe places that you like to hide. God is drawing you out of those places. He's saying if you stay here too long, it's unhealthy and it's dysfunctional. I need you to go. You were never designed to live in a temporary shelter. And that looks crazy to the people around you. 
But two intelligent people can both look at the same thing and see it in completely different ways. One of my kids, uh, so we've got three kids, and they're all grown. And uh, when our first daughter went to college, so what are you, you know, we're talking, what are you going to major in? She goes, I want to major in business. And, you know, we've been in ministry for 28 years. And I know people think that pastors all fly in private jets and live in, ma in mansions, but that's not true, right? It might be a couple. Uh, I fly southwest, right? So, uh, so we struggled financially as our kids were growing up. And so when my daughter said, I want to go into business, I was like, yes, finally someone in our family is going to make some money, right? And then she got a little bit into it. She goes, Dad, this isn't for me. I think I, think I want to change my major on and go into journalism. And I was like, no. Because <laughs> I feel like this is what God's telling me to do. I said, okay, then do it. And I thought to myself, I still got two more chances, you know. So then Caleb, my son, he goes, He's going to go into business. Got into the school of business. He was doing great. A couple semesters in, he's like, Dad, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm supposed to be a teacher. I want to work with students. And I was like, okay, bud, that's great. No. <laughs> then my youngest, I got one more chance. He says, Dad, I want to be a vet. I want to be a veterinarian. I was like, good. How much do vets make? Oh, good. All right, yeah. He's going to, this is going to be great. Yes, son. All right, good. One semester. Eh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go into psychology. I think I want to work with students. No. <laughs> a part of me was sad for them. But a bigger part of me, as their father, was proud of them. Because they said, this is the line I feel like God is telling me to step over. And without hesitation, every one of them stepped over and did what God was calling them to do. When people are around you that have stepped over that same line, they recognize it. You see it. I can smell it when someone has committed their life to Christ. When they're all in. Last couple weeks ago, we had a church planner here. I love being around guys like that because I remember what it felt like. I, I've been around business guys who say, man, I, well, I set out and I, I thought my life is just going to be, I'm going to make the biggest pile of money I can. But then they became followers of Christ and they realized this is not all about me. God is calling me to help fund the kingdom. He wants me to do things and make changes and help accelerate the gospel with what he's blessed me with. This is how it, we step over the line. This is how God draws us out. But here's part, the challenging part of the drawing out process. It never stops. The steps always go higher and higher and scarier and scarier. Look at what Corinthians says. And we all, he's talking about us, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That ever increasing glory means that every time God asks you to take a step, it goes higher and higher. The levels go higher. It's scarier and scarier. God draws us out of where we're at, and he draws us into greater things. I don't know who I'm talking to here today, but I feel so much in my heart that God is saying, will you step over the line? Will you trust me? Now, this kind of growth, this kind of, these steps, here's one of the challenging parts. It's, it takes time. It's, it, I wish it happened all in one day. It doesn't. It takes Time. It's a process. So, so there was this elephant and this dog, and they were best friends. And they both got pregnant at the same time. Three months later, the dog gives birth to six puppies. And then six months later, the dog got pregnant again and gave birth to ten puppies. And this process went on over and over and over for 18 months. I don't know who was supposed to be watching that dog 
They weren't watching her. You get what I'm saying? In the 18th month, the dog goes to the elephant. She says, are you sure you're pregnant? Because we got pregnant at the same time. And I've given birth now three times to litters of puppies. Some of them are now grown and they've become parents themselves. And here you are, you're still pregnant. What's going on? And the elephant replied, there's something that you don't understand. What I'm carrying inside of me is not a tiny puppy, but an elephant. And I only give birth to one in two years. When my baby hits the ground, the earth will feel it. When my baby crosses the road, people will stop and watch in admiration. What I am carrying inside of me commands attention. What I am carrying is uncommon and great. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do His thing, and it feels like everybody else is getting answers to their prayers except us. I want to encourage you, don't lose faith when others are getting answers to their prayers and you're not. Don't get discouraged. Don't despair. Just encourage yourself and say, my time is coming. And when what God is giving birth to me inside of me, when that hits the ground, the earth is going to shake and lives are going to be changed. <laughs> Moses was born a slave. And at the end of this process of ever-increasing glory, he becomes the leader and deliverer of two million of his people. He rescues his own people. And there are people around you that are waiting on your yes. They're waiting for you to give birth to that thing that's going to change their lives. Mosaic exists because every time I've gone to Diane and said, I think God is telling me to do something, she's always said, then do it. We need to do it. As a matter of fact, one day, I'll never forget this. I was working at Starbucks when we first started this church. And I was wiping a counter, and I felt like God said, it's time for you to go. Jump. And I was like, uh, okay, like, you want me to quit my job? Yes, jump. That's all that God ever says to me. He says one word, jump. And I was like, okay, um, I don't, I, God, I, I, don't, I don't mean to argue. I'm, I, have you ever tried to explain it to God? Right? Explain like, it was, let me, you don't understand the situation right now, so let me help you understand. Um, I don't have another job. Like, I don't have something to jump to. And I said, you know what I'll do? I'm negotiating with him. When I get home, if Diane feels the same way, then I'll know it's, it's time to go. And uh, I get home, and before I could even say anything, Diane says, you know what? I feel like it's time for you to leave Starbucks. Mosaic exists because of her, because she has always said yes. There are people waiting. Yep. There are people on that God has waiting for you to say yes. If this is true in nature, and this is true with people in the Bible, it's going to be true. It's true in our lives too. So what is God doing in your life? What's he trying to draw out? Let's pray. Father, this is so hard. Waiting is so hard. And it's so hard to say yes. Because it's scary. It's overwhelming. It's intimidating. But I pray, Father, that you would give us today the courage, the intestinal fortitude to say yes, to step over the line, to say, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go. We're not going to sit in this temporary place anymore. If you're drawing us and you're calling us out to that place of in-between, then we're going to go trusting you and knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. 
We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know there's some people sitting in their chairs wondering if there's a seat heater. There's not. But that's Angel's words just telling you, pushing you to say yes. And all of that starts, you know, Angel talked about, you know, people in the business world or things, you know, like I, maybe it's not ministry, but it's supporting and it's, it's you know, financial or your gifts and your talents. Uh, or maybe it is God's telling you to do something with, uh, with here with the church. But all of that starts with a single decision of giving your life to Christ. And we never like to end the uh, service without giving you that opportunity because the entire reason Mosaic Church exists, in addition to Angel and Diane both saying yes every time, is because we want to connect people to life in Jesus and help them grow in that faith. And so if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to slip up your hand or come up to the front. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to ask you guys to say this very simple prayer after me. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift you've given me, for the sacrifice you've made. Die on the cross for my sins. I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. I want to live from you, live for you from this day forward. Amen. You said that prayer for the very first time. We want to welcome you home to the family of God. And if that is you, please scan that QR code. And uh, we have a gift that we want to send you uh, along your journey. We'll also have some prayer team up here at the front if you need a little additional prayer. Um, but we have just a couple quick announcements before we uh, dismiss. The first one is... Real quick before I say this though, who remembers being 16 and you couldn't wait to get your driver's license? Remember how excited you were, right? Yeah, put them up, yeah, you could go where you wanted, do what you wanted, you know, get some wheels. Mosaic Church is turning 16 in two weeks. Two weeks. We're gonna celebrate Mosaic Church being able to slick their hair back and fill the tank up with gas and go cruise 10th Street, okay? Um, but truly, in two weeks, we are going to have joint service. Okay, um, Spanish and English, both services will be bilingual. One will be at 9 a.m., the other one will be at 11 a.m. So those of you here at the 11 a.m., you consistently come. You don't have to do anything different. Just show up regular. But make sure that if for some reason you go, oh, we got to go to church early, don't come to our 9.30 service because you'll be a half hour late. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. are our two services, bilingual, both of them. We can't wait to see you there. Please bring a friend, introduce them to Mosaic the entire reason we have been continuing to grow is because saying, hey, come check out my church. This would be a great way for you to do that. Uh, the second thing, um, this is today is the last day to sign up for a connect group to lead one. Uh, excuse me. So if you would like to lead a connect group, uh, like Angel, you know, is uh, if he wants to lead a jujitsu connect group, we thought about it, right? Um, but it truly can be anything. Uh, we've done a self-defense class before. Uh, I, don't, I still don't think anyone's taken me up on the underwater basket weaving. I've been trying to plug that, but I don't know how to do it. I'm hoping someone else does, but, uh, but anything you want to do, as long as it's centered around Christ, you pray and you keep God in the middle of it. It's a way for us to go from rows to circles in our church and to get to know each other and lean on each other. Um, so today's the last day to sign up. Don't worry if you're worried. If, if this message, you're like, oh, I feel like God's telling, like, I want to do something. I want to start a group. I want to connect with more people. Uh, we will train you. So we will provide you the tools. We will provide you the resources and what you need in order to uh, start your connect group. So last thing, um, as we get closer to everyone, uh, some people's favorite spooky holiday, Halloween, 
uh, we like to have an impact in our community. We do a trick-or-treat street right out here in the back. And um, we would ask that you begin to start when you go get your groceries over the next several weeks, that you maybe grab a bag or two, right? Just kind of maybe integrate it into your budget because a couple of years ago, we've been doing this uh, three, four, three years or so now. The first year we did it, uh, my office over back here was full, literally, we, you couldn't even walk in it. It was full of candy. And we gave away all of that candy, including we had to go to the store twice, okay? So we don't want to run out of candy again. And so we want to make sure that everyone, uh, you know, contributes to that. If you could please throw a bag or two, just start grabbing a bag or two at Walmart or King Supers or wherever you shop. We will start to have bins out by the front doors. So just drop those in there um, each and every week so that we can have plenty of candy. We will also have signups for that soon. So be thinking if you want to host um, a, a tr trunk or treat vehicle. Um, some people go all out and like decorate their whole car, truck, SUV, it's awesome, it's a great time. So please be thinking of that. Last thing uh, before we close out the service is our tithe and our offering. You can scan the QR code, hit the link tree uh, to give. Uh, four ways you can give, uh, you can give in the metal box in the envelope right out here. Uh, online at greenlandmosaic.com, text any amount to 84321 or on the Church Center app. So we're gonna pray over this morning's tithe and offering before we dismiss, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of your grace and your mercy and all of your provision in our lives, Lord. We come to you with a full and a joyful heart and we give you this tithe and offering knowing that you're gonna bless it, bless those around us, and you're gonna have an impact in the spiritual climate here in Northern Colorado and beyond. In your name we pray, we love you, amen. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. We'll still have some prayer team up here if you need some additional prayer and Skull Buffs, actually Bears, we had some Bears.